this morning we are continuing on our series on parables. And today, the next installment is a parable that Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount, is the most famous sermon ever with. He concluded with this parable. It's the parable of the wise and foolish builders. If you need a pen, if you didn't get one on your way in, please raise your hand. You want to take some notes on this because in this parable, Jesus is telling us how important it is to put into practice the things that he shared. And so today we're going to talk about that and what it looks like to live a wise life. So let me have a word of prayer for us and ask God to speak to us today, and we'll jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And today, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us from one of the stories that Jesus told. Lord, uh, these are hidden truths uh, because he is revealing what you're like. Lord, uh, and uh, today I pray that you would open our eyes to some things that we may not have noticed before about you, about ourselves, about some things that we need to surrender to you. And so today, I ask that you'd speak and move me out of the way, Lord, so we'd hear exactly what you once said from the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Amen. Point A in your outline is this. One day, Jesus told a parable about two builders. And I want to remind us of the definition of parable we're using in this series. It's a short story that explains spiritual truth by using everyday objects and relationships. I mean, God is beyond compare, and he's not, he is the God who holds the whole universe together, and so we can't comprehend him. He's not, we, we can't define him easily, and so there's many things that are misunderstood about God, but when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he explained things to us, and one of the techniques he used was by telling parables, and a parable is a short story of everyday objects or relationships that you throw down, uh, and if you understand this, well, then you'll understand a spiritual truth that you can hang on to for the rest of your life. And this is what he's, and the spiritual truth he's talking about in this story is how important it is to obey what God tells us to do. So let me just read the story and we'll unpack it with the rest of our time together here. End of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, floodwaters rise, winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come, winds beat against that house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. And if you please underline real authority there or circle it quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. Now, people have been used to people commenting on stories in the Old Testament saying, well, it could possibly mean this or possibly mean that. Jesus had just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't talk that way at all. In fact, what he did is he would say, hey, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. You've all heard that commandment. Yeah, well, I'm telling you that you shouldn't even look lustfully at a woman with your eye because if you look lustfully at her with your eye, you've already done the same damage to your soul. You've committed adultery in your heart. And you've heard it said, hey, you shouldn't kill anyone, thou shalt not murder. Yeah, well, you shouldn't go around hating people other either because that does the same damage to your heart. I mean, if I go around and I hate you and I wish you were dead, well, the only difference is I haven't plunged the knife in your back. But the damage to my soul and my relationship with you and my relationship with God, it's still being done. He said, and you know what? If someone comes to you and they give you a hard time and they trouble you, they're an enemy of yours, if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other one. If they ask you to carry a pack for them one mile, carry it two, and then you'll be living like children of your heavenly father. 
mind blown. I mean, nobody had ever thought about stuff like this. And the people were amazed. I mean, Jesus taught like someone with real authority. And here's a note in your outline. Jesus taught with real authority because Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus taught with real authority because he had real authority. Listen to what John says about this. The word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The disciples couldn't, just couldn't get over this. It's like the God of the universe was standing in front of us. We saw him calm storms. We saw him raise people from the dead. We saw him make blind people see. And when he opened our minds to what God was like, it was like nothing we'd ever heard. And that's the way it is when God speaks to you. I mean, you're convinced down deep in your soul, I know that I know that I know this is the right thing to do. This is God speaking. Colossians 1, that was John. Here's Paul in Colossians 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And that's why it was so important for Jesus to teach in parables. He says, these are things hidden from the foundation of the world. You don't understand what God is like because you can't see him with your physical eyes. There's a whole lot going on that you won't see. There's another whole spiritual dimension to this. So let me explain it to you. It's like this. And in this case, he just finished doing all those wonderful teachings. The Beatitudes. The whole idea of, hey, don't go around trying to get a speck out of your brother's eye if you've got a log in your own. Get rid of the log in your own eye first, and then you'll see clearly you get the speck out of your brother's eye. And so then Jesus has just finished all this teaching, and everybody's nodding, going, okay, yeah, yeah. And he goes, now, you just heard everything I've said? If you're wise, you go put this in practice because you heard it. And if you don't, you're a fool. And he had to teach us this way so that we would understand what God thinks is truly important. And that brings us to point B, that wise people listen to Jesus' teaching and follow it. They listen and follow. So we'll break that up in two pieces. First life application, we must listen. Would you say that with me, please? We must listen. For those of you who weren't listening, we must listen. Okay, sorry, that didn't work at 8 o'clock either. Anyway, um, the whole idea here is this. You and I need to listen. We're so often unwilling to listen to what God says. But now you understand why it's so important to talk about his authority. If he is God in the flesh and he's revealing things to us that we would not know, well, then we should listen because he knows what he's talking about. Those who listen, Proverbs 16, 20, to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Am I willing to listen? Am I willing to concede that God would know more about my life than I do? This is where this is all coming from. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul, Psalm 19. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, and each one is fair. 
They're more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They're a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. And so in Jesus' mind, when he's finishing, and from his perspective, you understand this, he said, I've just explained to you the way God thinks about marriage, about love, about enemies, about persecution. You name it, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's all these different things he's talked about. And he says, now look, I've told you what God thinks. You'll be wise if you put it into practice. I mean, this is so important that we listen. I, um, my undergraduate degree was in engineering. I had a physics class taught by a guy that he kept using the space shuttle all the time. And well, this was back when the space shuttle was still brand new, long ago. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the whole idea was that uh, in this class, in this physics class, he would have us all these different things, you know, calculate and make these story problems that would involve the space shuttle and things. And I was like, you know, why does this guy do this? Well, one day, somebody asked him, why do you keep talking about this? He's like, oh, okay, well, this is stuff I'm working on. He was one of the guys who helped design the heat shields on the bottom of the space shuttle. And he said, you know, when I explain these things to you, you would do well to take notes for the exam. Because I know more about it than you do. (laughs) And we all agreed, and we took notes. You would listen. Why wouldn't I listen? The guy helped design the thing. When they launched it for the first time, NASA flew him down there so he could witness the launch. He helped design it. Now imagine if the one who designed us was standing in front of us. Hey, let me explain to you how life is supposed to work. I've designed the things you can see and the things you can't see, so let me show you how it's supposed to be. If you think it's just keeping the letter of law without the spirit, let me give you the spirit behind it. When God told you not to look, not to commit adultery, he doesn't want you even looking lustfully at another woman. Or you're missing the point. Hey, and if you only love people who are kind to you, what different are you than pagans? They do that stuff. I want you to love people the way I love people. Now, this is the creator God of the universe, the visible image of the invisible God standing in front of people saying, this is how I made life to run. You should take notes. You should listen. You would be wise. It would be like a person who builds his house on bedrock foundation because he's drilling down to the place where it's going to be firm. And that's going to stand. If you're not willing to listen to me, I, I don't know what you're like. That's just foolish. I'm telling you how it works. And that brings us to the next point. Not only must we listen, we must obey. And obey is the same thing. Think about this like a parent with a child that's running out toward the street. They've kicked a ball into the street. There's traffic coming. You don't have time for an explanation. You need your child. You go, stop, stop. That three-year-old doesn't see the car coming. That three-year-old doesn't understand the dangers of running out in traffic. They don't need a discussion. They need to obey. And we are flattering ourselves beyond belief if we think that we are anywhere as close to God's understanding of life as a three-year-old would be to an adult. That three-year-old is much closer to my level of understanding than I'll ever be to the wisdom of God himself. 
And God says, you're going to have to trust me on this. There's a whole lot of things you can't see. So let me explain this to you. It's like this. And if you understand this on earth, then you'll understand how it is in heaven. But you're just going to have to trust me and obey. We must obey. Would you say that with me? We must obey. Obey means trust God, even if I can't see it with my physical eyes, and even if it might feel better for me to do something different in the short run. I'm going to obey because I know it's the right thing to do because I trust him. Micah 6, 6 through 8, a couple of different perspectives on this. What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearly calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people. The Lord has told you what's good, and this is what he requires of you. Do what's right. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. That's an Old Testament reference saying the same thing Jesus is saying. This isn't about show or religiosity or putting on a great worship uh, experience to prove to everybody I'm spiritual. Jesus says, keep all that. Micah said, keep all that. What I want you to do is obey. I mean, Micah 6, 8 there is, look, God's told you what to do. Do what's right. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Listen to him. Obey him. And Jesus had finished the Sermon on the Mount the same way. Now that you've heard all these things, you'd be wise to do them. When somebody helps design a space shuttle and you're taking a class in physics and that's going to be on the exam, some of those things, you'd be wise to take notes. Anybody agree with that? Oh, yeah. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. People say, how do I get God to reveal more of himself to me? Well, here's a simple answer. Obey what he's already told you to do. I mean, let's think of it this way. He gives me a level one obedience assignment. I got to stop gossiping, or I've got to stop hating someone or something like this, or I've got to stop or I've got to start being kind or getting up on time because I'm always late. And this is something that's clear. Friends have told me, I've seen that, yeah, I'm just being lazy about this. I know I need to make that change. But then I'm demanding God, hey, God, would you give me all this insight into your word? But I'm not willing to set my alarm clock and just get up on time. Well, how serious are you? Why would I give level 10 insight to a person that doesn't even have level one obedience? If I obey then God will show me the next step. Step by step, you lead me. But obedience is the key. Did you listen and obey what I already told you? Why would I bring an employee, why would I make the employee president of the company if he's not even willing to punch in and keep an honest time clock? I mean, you never would do that. You go, well, he's not even doing the bare minimum. Why would you promote him? And so the Lord won't do that. The Lord says, now if you obey me, I'll reveal more of myself to you. I want you to keep going. You can keep going forever. By the way, there's 10 trillion levels with God. Just keep going. If we get to heaven, we're going to keep learning forever. Because there's always more to know. This is Jesus standing in front of people saying, I'm standing here, God in the flesh. I've just told you what God is like. And the people go, yeah, I mean, we've never heard anybody talk that way. Good. Now put it into practice. If you're wise, you're going to listen and obey. 
Now, one other thing that I want to tell you is, is that there's an important note here. Even those who listen and obey face storms. And you can put difficulties, problems, trials, pain, whatever you put there. I do want to avoid a very foolish mistake that we make here. The parables between two builders who both built houses, one built on the sand, one built on the rock, but the storms came to both. And sometimes we think, hey, if I'm listening to God and obeying him, that means I'll never have problems in this life. Jesus told his disciples, he said, in this world you're going to have many trials, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Jesus said, if you listen to my teachings and obey them, you're like you're building on a strong foundation so that when the storm comes, your life won't be destroyed. It's when you build on other foundations that you're in trouble. So storms will come. Well, all I know is if I was, if God, if there's really a God in heaven, then he wouldn't let me lose a job or he wouldn't let me get sick or no one I know would ever pass away. No, we live in a fallen world where there's sin and death and pain. And we're not immune to that. The question is, how do you survive the storms without being destroyed? Now, if I build my foundation on popularity, if I build my foundation on on just uh, how much stuff I have, well, an economic collapse can destroy all that. Popularity, if all of a sudden the Christian view falls out of popularity, so then you have to change everything and abandon everything? Of course not. You trust me, I'll see you through it. The question is, what are you building on? Listen to what Peter said about this. And this is from Eugene Peterson's message translation. It's kind of like an amplified translation. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad when you're, that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is, spiritual, this is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you're, abused, if you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It's the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. Peter said, you know, if people are making fun of you because you're a Christian, actually... That's a good thing. That means you're living out your faith so much that they notice it. And if other people notice it, certainly God notices it, and he's going to reward you for it. So be glad. James put it this way. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, as fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God is developing us, and we go through tests in our lives. And let me just say something on this. Sometimes people tell me, they go, well, if God knows everything, why does he have to take me through a test? Well, God knows how we're going to do, yeah, but I don't. Remember, when I took the test in that physics class, the professor already knew the right answer. It wasn't like I turned in my paper, he goes, oh, thanks, John, now I'll be able to report this to NASA. That's good, we couldn't solve it. That wasn't the point. The point about doing the problem was to see if I understood. I realized when I couldn't answer it, I didn't know it as well as I thought I did. Or I did know. Now look, we're going to go through hard times in our lives as Christians. Do not make the foolish, wrong assumption that if I'm listening and obeying, that problems will never come in my life. Storms came into the life for the person who listened and obeyed, as well as the person who listened and didn't obey. Storms came to both. Same storms. The difference was whether or not you're going to survive. Don't blame 
this on God that this is some, because we have some foolish understanding. If I just go to church or I put some money in an offering plate, now everything will be rosy for me the rest of my life. No such thing. In fact, that's the reason we trust in the Lord more. And when we go through storms, it makes us stronger. The important thing is to have a foundation. Hurricane Matthew came along the coast of the United States, the east coast of the United States, and there's damage done from the storm surge and flooding. There's been a bunch of damage, but nothing compared to some of the things it did in the Bahamas or in Haiti and other things, because on some of these, even these giant beachfront properties, they withstood all the blast of that storm because the foundation on these big colossal high-rises, that's not built, they're not built on the beach. They sink those footings down deep, down to bedrock. And even when the storm surge comes, even when the high waves and the winds come, that building stands firm. But you go down to a place like Haiti where people don't have the resources, the availability to do that, and they have buildings just built there with no foundation, that wind comes along and destroys it. It's gone. And Jesus said, if you understand that, Understand, that would be like knowing the right thing to do and not acting on it. Well, that'd be foolish. In fact, that's point C. Foolish people listen to Jesus' teaching and ignore it. Now, I want to define three terms here so we're clear the way the Bible will be using these here. First of all, ignorance is not knowing what to do. This is not a foolish person. The person who built his house on the sand heard. Okay? He wasn't ignorant. Ignorance means not knowing what to do. We weren't talking about a person who hadn't heard. Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing it. Ignorance, I don't know what to do. Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing it. We already talked about that. And foolishness is knowing what to do and not doing it. By the way, that word for foolishness, the Greek word for it is moros. It's where we get the word moron. So Jesus literally concluded the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I've told you how things are in heaven. I've given you God's instructions on this. And if you refuse to listen to this, you're a moron. I mean, the Son of God himself is standing in front of us. The one who designed us is telling us, please take notes. There will be a test. There will be problems that will come. You would be wise to prepare. And if you don't, you're a moron. And that's what we would say to somebody who was building beachfront property and didn't sink the footings down. Hey, you know that's going to blow away. Yeah, but I don't know if storms will ever come. Dude, you're a moron. Storms are coming. You're not taking the necessary precautions. You're not building on something solid. So if I build on fame, I build on having enough possessions, I build on whatever it is, well, that's not going to see me through. The Lord says, there's only me. And Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. I'm telling you practical stories so you understand how things you can't see really work. Don't just listen to God's word. This is James commenting on this. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For you've listened to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James says we're supposed to use the Bible like a mirror. And when we read it every day, there will be things that show up. There will be things that show up. We go, oh, that's nice. That's good. I'm doing that better. That's improving my life. There will be other things that show up that are bad. 
I mean, if I had just eaten eggs, I might literally have egg on my face. And if you saw me walk into a restroom and you'd seen this on my face, you saw me walk into a restroom, you go, oh, okay, well, he'll see it there. And I come out and I haven't wiped it off. You go, John, you got egg on your face, dude. Wash your face. Oh, didn't you see it when you in the bathroom washing it? Oh, yeah, but I just forgot. You forgot what you looked like? Now look, this is what we could do. If we, if we hear God's word and we ignore it, that's like somebody pointing out to you something that needs to change in your life, something that's embarrassing, something that's wrong, and we won't deal with it. Well, like what? Well, our boss made a decision we don't agree with. So I, I'll tell you what I did. I got on Facebook and wrote a nasty comment and posted it so everybody I know could know what a jerk boss I have. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Could we all agree that's a bad idea? Not a lot of job security with a decision like that. Or here's a good one. I'm really angry at my spouse. So I'm going to type in all caps on my phone, all kinds of angry things on a text. Because that way they won't ever misunderstand me. Oh, wait. They could completely misunderstand. Which they do. And it's a disaster. And yet, if we read the teachings about something, hey, if a brother sins against you, go to him in private and talk to him, just the two of you, and work it out face to face, we never would have gotten into that. Oh, those would be other teachings of Jesus. Yeah, because problems at work and problems with your spouse are going to come. So what foundation are you building on? Because you go post everything you're angry at your boss out on Facebook, you're a moron. Could we all agree with that? That's moronic. This is the type of stuff we're talking about here. Now, the Bible is our guide in all matters, faith, and practice. I said that at the beginning of the message, pretty much every message I mention it. And that's why all my outlines are really just a few points with chunks of Scripture in them. Because I want us to read the Bible. Here's why. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In the margin, you can write motives. It exposes our motives. Well, John, how would praying to God, how would reading the Bible talk to me about how I'm supposed to deal with problems at work or with my spouse? Because it'll expose my motives. Yours too. Am I being selfish? Am I being a jerk? Am I being impatient? Am I being loving? Am I being kind? Am I being understanding? Well, as I read the Bible, it'll come out. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything's naked and exposed before his eyes, and he's the one to whom we're accountable. So that's why I read the Bible. That's why I'm teaching you today from the Bible. Now, before you go to the last page, go back up to right under point C where it says ignorance is not knowing what to do right after that. Write the word ignore. To ignore is not ignorance. To ignore is to turn away intentionally. There's a difference. You're not ignorant. You're just ignoring me. To ignore is not listening, not listening. I don't care what you say. Professor, I don't care what you did and what work you did. I know better than you do how this should work. Because I'm a sophomore in engineering. What? 
Lord, I don't care what your Bible says. I'm not going to forgive them. They hurt me too bad. And I don't care whether you made the universe. I'm going to hang on to my bitterness and I'm going to dwell on it every day because that's the way I'm going to be happy. Does anybody ever do that? All the time. Hey, I know how I'll fix this. I'll medicate myself. I'll take an overdose of prescription drugs or I'll take so much prescription drugs. I'll numb myself into oblivion every day. That's the way God wants me to deal with my problems. And I won't get help for it either because that's success. I hope you hear a pastor's heart here. I am begging you and pleading with you the same way Jesus was telling people, this is how it works. But people won't listen. Now, what's so amazing is this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Most popular sermon, most well-known sermon in the whole world. I went to seminary, had classes on how to do sermons and everything. You're always supposed to end with a word of encouragement and everything and never a word of just warning or other things because that's just too shocking for people to hear. So, and it was brought, one of the preaching classes even brought up, well, what about the Sermon on the Mount? Because Jesus' last point was uh, this. Hey, if you don't listen, you're kind of like a, a fool. When the rains and floods came and winds beat against the house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. Bye, see y'all. I mean, that's the way it ended. That's literally the way it ended. And the crowds were amazed. So today I'm going to do something that would probably be uncharacteristic even because I try to end with always a word of encouragement. I'm going to end with a word of warning. It's at the top of the last page in your outline there. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. If you and I are resisting God on something today and you know darn well you need to do it, you need to offer an apology, you need to start doing something that God told you that you've been procrastinating on, and if God's spoken to you, then you know what it is right now. I had people come up after the last service and they go, wow, how did you know I was dealing with this? I said, I didn't. I just said, whatever it is. God will speak to us today if we're listening to his word. And why am I doing this? Because in Hebrews 3.13, it says this, we must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of us will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, then we'll share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And the writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 95 there. So warning. When I was a kid, there was a TV show on called Lost in Space, and they had a robot named Robbie the Robot. And wherever there's danger, he'd go, warning, danger, warning. Great special effects for those of you who missed it. Okay, no, it wasn't. But it was so funny, and I'll never get that image out of my head of a robot every time there was danger. Warning, danger, danger. Do you know that that's what the writer of Hebrews would say that we're supposed to do to each other when we see people who are unwilling to obey? Do you know that that's what Jesus was saying? I've just told you all these wonderful illustrations in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to give you a parable now, and if you understand about building on rock rather than sand, you're going to understand how important it is to obey me. The, the visible image of the invisible God spoke out loud. There was no doubt about what God wanted them to do. And so he said, so listen, you have my teachings. And if you obey them, when storms come in your life, you'll be able to withstand the storms. If you refuse, if you only listen and don't put them into practice and don't obey them, everything in your life will collapse and you'll be a fool. Warning, warning. Danger, danger. 
You must warn each other every day while it's still called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. That's what I'm doing here this morning. It's what Jesus was doing. Is there something you're putting off? Is there somebody you need to forgive? Is there an important step of faith that you need to step into? It's still called today. Do it today. Why put it off? Can I beg you? Can I beg you to get right with God? We'll help you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just, I just want to make sure that, Lord, we don't leave here without a warning. Father, um, we must not be stubborn. When you tell us things, you mean it. And it's for our own good. You designed us. In just a moment of silence, if there is something in your life that you are unwilling to surrender to God, you say, Lord, please forgive me and show me what to do about this. I want the desire to do what's right and the power to do it, the power to follow through. Please change my heart and give me the power to follow through. I thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. I thank you for the story of the wise and foolish builders. I don't want to be a moron, Lord. I want to be wise. If that's your prayer today, would you say one word with me? Amen.